0: Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you, the God of the universe, sent your son Jesus here to our earth so that we could know you, so that we could know your love and your truth and your life. And we do turn our eyes to him tonight. We pray God that he will show us exactly who we need to be to be all that you created us to be. We ask that as we look at the life of Joseph, one of your children who lived for you faithfully and obediently in times of difficulty, that your Holy Spirit will open up our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits, that we might receive your truth and be empowered to live in these challenging times faithfully as well. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory. We thank you so much that wherever we are, you are with us. Whatever we do, you love us. And that you call us to be more than we are. But you love us right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi, everybody. Wow, if you came to New Life tonight because you're on the team that's preparing to bring us back to worship in person next week or you're watching online, we're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Chris. And maybe you saw a guy dressed up in a suit and you thought, oh, I'm in the wrong place. I'm at the wrong website because they never wear suits. Well, two times a year, I wear a suit. The first time is Mother's Day and the second time is Father's Day. Now, I've been wearing a suit on Mother's Day for many years in memory of my mother, Ruth Marshall, and in honor of my wife, Nancy, because they're both great examples of what it means to be a mother. But only in the last few years have I started to wear a suit on Father's Day to remind me and to say thank you to my dad, Clyde Marshall. Clyde was not a Christian for most of his life, and yet I learned a lot of importance from him. I learned, first of all, how to work hard. I learned to respect every person, no matter who he or she was. And I learned to do the right thing, even when it was hard. So it's Father's Day weekend. Happy Father's Day for all of you to whom that greeting applies. And I hope you have or had a great dad, but if you didn't, I want you to remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, we have a heavenly father, and he's perfect. He is absolutely perfect, and he loves us as sons and daughters. So in this Father's Day weekend, thank you so much for being here with us. I do want to say one more thing. I'm so glad for the truth that Jesus offered us that we have a heavenly father, because sometimes when I think about my earthly father, the memories aren't that great. But as we grow older, if we mature, I think we gain some perspective and hopefully some grace. And one of the things I've learned is many of the memories I have of my dad now become better and better with the passing of time. So we're in the third week of a series called For Such a Time as This. And the series is focusing on nine biblical characters who lived in difficult times, difficult circumstances, and we're looking at them so that we can see what is it like to live in challenging times and how can we overcome the way that they overcame. First week, Pastor Alex told us about Esther, a woman who grew up as an orphan in poverty but became the queen of her nation. And in that role, she saved her people, the Jews. Last week, Pastor Mark talked about Abram, who became Abraham, who is the father of the Jewish people. Now, today, we're going to be talking about Joseph. It's a little ironic that we're talking about Joseph this weekend because, as I said, Father's Day weekend. Well, Joseph's father, Jacob, had 12 children. The same father had 12 children, but there were four different mothers. If if you don't know the Bible This story is a little complicated. You see, Jacob was born as the younger of twin brothers to Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac was the son of Abraham. And actually, just as Abraham was given a new name, Jacob was also given a new name later in life. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. It's where we get the name for the nation of Israel. But Jacob returned to his homeland to find a wife. And he went to his relatives. Now, as I said, this story is a little complicated. First of all, Jacob met his cousin and fell in love with her. And so her name was Rachel. And he agreed to work for his uncle Laban for seven years so that Rachel would be his wife. And at the end of the seven years, and he was supposed to get married to Rachel, that night, instead of Rachel, Uncle Laban gave him Leah, the older sister. So then the next day, Jacob was upset. Uh, and and so Laban said, "Well, we work seven more years. I'll give you Rachel too." And then Laban gave each of his daughters a slave, a servant woman. And over time, Jacob had children to all four of these women. I told you it was complicated. So anyway, after working for many years for Laban, Joseph or Jacob turned returned back to his homeland, the homeland of his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham. And there, Rachel his best loved wife had her second son benjamin but she died in childbirth it caused jacob great grief but jacob uh, caused joseph a little bit of grief because joseph loved jo- jacob loved joseph more than all the other brothers the other brothers were just jealous and, and to make things worse jacob gave joseph a coat of many colors and that coat of many colors was something that every single day they got up all the brothers would look and there's joseph look at me Now, he might not have been saying, look at me, but the coach said, look at me. And so they really hated their brother. And then to make it really, I guess the straw that broke the camel's back, we find it in uh, Genesis chapter 37, verse 5. If you have your Bible, your Bible app, you might want to follow along because Joseph had some dreams. And here's what the dreams were about. It says, one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. "'Suddenly my bundle stood up "'and your bundles all gathered around "'and bowed low before mine.' "'His brothers responded, "'So you think you will be our king, do you? "'Do you actually think you will reign over us?' "'And they hated him all the more "'because of his dreams "'and the way he talked about them. "'Soon Joseph had another dream, "'and again he told his brothers about it. "'Listen, I have had another dream,' he said. "'The sun, moon, and eleven stars "'bowed low before me. "'This time he told the dream to his father "'as well as to his brothers.' But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Imagine being one of Joseph's brothers or mom and dad. Here's a 17-year-old kid. He seems to be having you know, delusions of grandeur that he's gonna one day be king and ruler over them. And yet, Joseph's father, Jacob, Scolded him, but he also wondered, what does this mean? Joseph knew what it meant. Joseph knew these were dreams from God. They were promises. God was promising Joseph that one day he truly would rule over his family. Now, those dreams, those promises were going to become very important to Joseph because his life was about to get extremely difficult. Before we get into that, let's look at the take-home point for today. Joseph remembered God's promises, and so will I. Joseph remembered God's promises, and so will I. If you're watching online and you've never been watching online with us before, the take-home point is the one point that we're going to make in the message that we want to take home and live it out in the week ahead. So Joseph would need to remember God's promises because Joseph's brothers decided they're going to kill him. And the opportunity came one day. Joseph was sent by his father Jacob out to the flocks where Joseph's other brothers were watching the sheep. And when they saw him coming, they said, Look, there's that dreamer. Let's kill him. Now, Reuben, the oldest brother, decided, Let's not kill him. There's a cistern over there, it's empty. Let's put him in there, and that way we won't be guilty of his, his murder. So they take off his beautiful robe and they throw him in the cistern and they sit down to have lunch. Reuben went somewhere, we're not told where, but the 11 or the 10 other brothers were sitting there eating lunch, and along came some Ishmaelite traders. As they came along, one of the brothers had a great idea. Hey, let's just sell Joseph in this, to those traders, and then we won't be guilty of his blood. So they sold their brother into slavery and went about their lunch. And then Reuben came back and he said, Where's Joseph? And then say, Oh, we sold him to some Ishmaelite traders. And Reuben tore his clothes in grief because he had planned he had hatched a plan he was going to take Joseph back to Jacob and say look I saved your son and then of course because Joseph is the most loved son Reuben is now going to be the next most loved son but that's not how it worked out they took the robe and they tore it up and they put some goat's blood on it they took it back to Jacob and as they hoped Jacob assumed that Joseph was eaten by a wild animal meanwhile Joseph ends up in Egypt and he's sold by those Ishmaelite traders to Potiphar, the captain of the palace guard. Now, the captain of the palace guard was actually sort of like the pharaoh or the king of Egypt's chief executioner. He, he was his right-hand man, his bodyguard. He did pretty much everything that needed to be done for pharaoh. And, and this is an interesting thing, that as Joseph is sold into slavery, all those dreams that are in his head about being king and ruler over his family we hear this incredible message in Scripture. It says, The Lord was with Joseph. Remember those words. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, The Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about anything except what kind of food to eat. Potiphar had an easy life now. And it says the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. What a powerful truth for us. Joseph... Joseph's life was nothing like he imagined it, but the Lord was with him. Sometimes we assume that God is only with us when things are going well, when the plans are going the way we made the plans to go. But nothing could have been farther from Joseph's mind than to become a slave of a high Egyptian official. And yet Joseph's life as a slave wasn't as bad as some slaves' lives. He was really the chief executive officer for this rich guy. He got to watch over everything. He he got to tell the other slaves what to do. He got to watch over the entire household. So his life was actually not terrible. Perhaps Potiphar's work kept him away more than he should have been away. But one thing we know is the scripture tells us that Potiphar's wife noticed Joseph. He was a handsome and strong young man. And so she started wandering after Joseph. In other words, she wanted to have a relationship with Joseph. And Joseph realized how terribly wrong this would be. In fact, we see the kind of man Joseph is when we read these words. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Joseph was a slave. He could have taken advantage of this situation. And remember, he's only 18, 19 years old maybe, and here's this temptation in front of him, and yet he realizes not only is it wrong from a standpoint of ethically wrong, but it would destroy his relationship with God. What we see is that Joseph's integrity and his relationship with God meant more to him than momentary pleasure. Joseph was a man of God. Truly, he was. And in this situation, he was not going to swerve from that, even when there was such temptation. But Potiphar's wife did not give up. She continued after Joseph, and she tried to seduce him. But Joseph, for the most part, stayed outside. He didn't go in the house. But remember, he's in charge of the entire household. He has to go in sometime. So he goes into the house one day, and she comes up, and she she says, to joseph sleep with me and she grabs a hold of him and joseph tears away so quickly that his cloak is torn and and most of it's left in her hand and he runs outside now potiphar's wife realizes something joseph is never going to succumb to her wishes so she cries out to the other slaves hey come here look my husband bought this hebrew slave in here to make fools of us he tried to rape me but i screamed and so he ran outside and look here's his cloak and that's the story she told her husband when, she, when he came home that evening. Now it says, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and he threw him into pr- the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. Now let's think about this for a minute. Potiphar is Pharaoh's chief executioner. And he owned Joseph. Joseph was a slave. If Potiphar really believed his wife's story, he would have executed Joseph on the spot. There's no way he would have put Joseph into prison. What I'm thinking happened is Potiphar was furious all right because he knew that it was his wife and not Joseph who was at fault. So what he did was he put Joseph into prison to save face and move on. So here's what happened next. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Remember those words. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. Once again, the Lord's with Joseph. Again, in a situation none of us want to be in. I mean, okay, the good news is (laughs) you're the prison warden's favorite guy. The bad news is you're in prison. That's why you're the warden's favorite guy. So the warden had no more worries, it says, because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. First it was Potiphar who had no more worries when Joseph was in charge of his goods, and now it's the warden who has no more worries because Joseph is in charge of his his life. So the Lord's hand was on Joseph for good in a bad situation. The Lord's hand was on Joseph for good in a bad situation. I often tell Teresa, Kena, and Miko, when we're in a situation that we don't wanna be in, we always have control of three things. We have control of our allegiance, we have control of our attitude, and we have control of our effort. Think about Joseph. He had been promised by God that one day he would rule over his family. Here he was in prison. And when he was a slave in Potiphar's household, he did the best that he could. Joseph continued to believe in God. His allegiance was with God. We know that his attitude was good because he rose right to the top in Potiphar's household and in the prison. And we know that he gave maximum effort. When he was watching over the Potiphar's Potter, Potter, household, it was like he was watching over his own possessions. And when he was watching over the prison, he did it as a faithful steward, as if it were his own prison to take care of. So he gave maximum effort, as well as positive attitude and allegiance to God. So time passed. Imagine that you're Joseph. Do you think that Joseph's dreams might have started fading. Do you think that as he was thinking about the promise of God, that one day he is going to be ruling over his family, and he starts to think, I wonder if that's ever going to happen. Have you ever had a dream and it didn't come true? At least it didn't come true in the time frame that you wanted it to. But what Joseph did, even though his dream wasn't coming true, is he did his very best. He put his allegiance to God. And what Joseph did, think about it, he was the king of Potiphar's household, and then he was sort of the king of the prison. Joseph Joseph was actually living out his dream. He became what he dreamed he would be. Over time Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had two servants, his chief cupbearer and his chief baker. He put them in prison. And one night these two guys had a dream. They both had a dream. And the next morning they were upset. They couldn't understand what the dream was about. They were worried and Joseph saw them and he said, "Hey, you guys, what's wrong?" And they said, well, we had a dream, and we don't know what the dream's about. And Joseph said, well, it's up to God to interpret dreams. Tell me what your dreams are. And so the cupbearer told his dream, the baker told his dream, and Joseph said to the cupbearer, well, what yours means is in three days, you're going to be restored to serving under Pharaoh. Unfortunately, what yours means is in three days, the Pharaoh's going to have you executed. And three days later, exactly what Joseph said would happen, happened. Now, when Joseph told the cupbearer the dream, what he said to the cupbearer was, when your dream comes true and you get back to the right hand of of Pharaoh, please remember me to the Pharaoh. Let him know that I helped you. And, of course, the cupbearer said, sure, 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 whatever. But as soon as he got out of prison, he forgot all about Joseph for two years. Two more years, Joseph is in charge of the prison as a prisoner. But one night, the Pharaoh had a dream. In fact, he had two dreams in succession. And nobody could tell the Pharaoh what his dreams meant. And as, as he was wondering about it, the cupbearer said, Oh, I remember there's this Hebrew prisoner. The, cup, the, the baker and I, we, we both had a dream one night, and he interpreted the dream, and exactly what he said would happen is what happened. I bet you he can interpret your dream. So Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Joseph's brought in front of him, and this is what happens. It says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. What? Joseph was in prison? Before that, he was a slave? Here's his one chance to come in front of Pharaoh and get out of it just by saying what the dream is, and Joseph says, I can't do it. Now, here, Joseph didn't mean he wasn't going to be able to interpret the dream. He meant he wasn't going to be able to do it on his own. And so Joseph would not take credit for a gift that God gave him. And that's so significant. Even in that situation, what we learn is when God gives us a gift, we're supposed to give God the credit and not take credit ourselves. So Joseph continued. He said, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. So Pharaoh says what the dreams were. Joseph says, oh, that's simple. There are going to be seven years of prosperity in this land. There's going to be grain like you've never seen before. And then there are going to be seven years of famine that are going to swallow up all those good years. So if I were you, what I would do is I would store up grain during the good years so that you'll have food to eat during the bad years. And this is what happens next. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, Can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled with the Spirit of God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. So Joseph wasn't ruling over his family. But for all practical purposes, he was ruling Egypt. God's promises always come true. Let's remember that. God's promises always come true. But sometimes not in the ways we expect. So God promised Joseph that he would rule over his family. Right now, he was only ruling over Egypt. But what happened is exactly what Joseph said would happen. Seven years of prosperity followed by famine. And in Israel, nobody had prepared them for the famine, so they were without food. So Jacob said, hey, I heard there's food in Egypt. You go down to Egypt. He sent, of his 11 remaining sons, he sent 10 of them back down. To, he didn't send Benjamin, his, his youngest son, and, and, and he wanted to keep him home. So he sent 10 of his sons down to Egypt, and guess who they meet? Their brother Joseph. But they don't, they don't recognize him. And they all bowed down in front of Joseph, just like the dream said. But Joseph didn't reveal himself to his brothers. In fact, he gave them the grain and the money that they paid for the grain, he put it back in their sacks. He had the steward put him back in the sacks and he sent them back home. But he said, you have to come back. You have to come back and bring your brother. And and he kept one of the brothers for safekeeping just in case. So they go home and they tell their dad, hey, this guy, he knew all about us and he he knew that we had a younger brother. And he says, if we want more grain, we're gonna have to bring Benjamin down. And Jacob says, you're... You're never taking Benjamin down there. But the grain runs out that they brought from Egypt, and they're hungry again. And so they go back. And this time, Joseph brings all of them into his house. He seats them in the order of their age, from oldest to youngest. And they're all amazed that he could do this. And he, he gives them a great feast, except Benjamin. He gives five times more than everybody else. And then he sends them back home. But he puts a sting operation out. He, he puts his, his divining chalice into one of their sacks, actually in Benjamin's. And so he sends the Egyptian soldiers after. They catch him and they bring them back. And now this time, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. Can you imagine that reunion? Let's look at a little snippet. It says, Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them, so they came closer. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt, but don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Look at that last statement. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Joseph teaches us, when you trust God's promises and live in them, you can see good in every situation. Joseph could have had his brothers killed. Joseph could have had his brothers put in prison, as happened to him. Joseph, at the very least, could have sold them as slaves, which is what they did to him. But he didn't do any of those things. He showed them forgiveness and he actually told them not even to fight on their way back as they went to get their dad. Joseph did something incredible. He listened to God. He lived out the promises of God in a very difficult situation. In fact, he eventually saved his own nation of Israel because of his listening and obeying God. Now, these last months have been challenging for us. Some of you have gone through more challenges than others. And you might not get to save our nation because of what you've gone through or your whole family. But this is what I know. As we are obedient to God and his promises in our lives, we will have the opportunity to influence our families. And our loved ones, our friends, our co-workers, even maybe some strangers that we might meet in our everyday lives. As we seek to do good in every situation, as Joseph did, God will reward and bless that. Some people assume that God is only present when good things happen. God is only present when our plans go the way we want them to go. But what Joseph shows us, if you really listen carefully to his story, that God was with Joseph in the hard times. In fact, it says God was with Joseph when he was in Potiphar's household. God was with Joseph when he was in the prison. If you read every verse... In the the account of Joseph's life, it never says God was with Joseph when he was made the second in command of all of Egypt. You see, we assume that God was with Joseph in the good times, but we know that God was with Joseph in the bad ones. And we assume that God is with us in our good times, but do we know that God is with us in the bad ones? We will know that when we look at the lives of people like Joseph and when we follow up By doing what's next in the next step for today. It says this. I will live out of God's scriptural promises this week. I will live out of God's scriptural promises this week. There are hundreds of promises in the scriptures. Hundreds of promises. And each one is for us. And maybe there's a particular one that you need right now. Joseph's promise was, you're going to rule over your family. Joseph didn't realize that that was not just so that he could be the king of the family. But so that he could save them. And I don't know what promise God has for you in his word this week, but I know he has promises for you. And all we have to do is read and then listen and obey. Good times or bad times, he will bless us and he will be with us. So Joseph reminds me of Jesus. You know why? Because Joseph saved his family. Jesus came to save the entire human family. Joseph forgave his brother's when they sold him into slavery and when they caused him to have more than a decade of time in slavery and prison. And Jesus, as they were nailing his hands to the cross, said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus and Joseph, there are a lot of parallels. And what I want to to do right now is for those of you who are in the room or those of you who are watching online, if you've never thought about Jesus and what he has done for you, I want you to think about it right now. Jesus came to the earth, the son of the living God, and he came here to rescue us from sin and death. That's why he's called savior. He saves us or rescues us from sin and death. He came to be Lord, to be king in our lives, to to tell us how we can live our life victoriously, even in difficult circumstances. We're going to sing a song here in a moment. And as we do, I want you to reflect on Joseph and Jesus. And at the end of that song, we're going to talk a little bit more about what it might mean for you to transfer ownership of your life to Jesus if you've never done that. And what it means to live for him daily if you already have.